0: Good morning, City Hope Church. Good Man, I hope you guys are doing great. It is great to have you guys with us today. Everybody in Mobile, it's great to have you. Can we give everybody Mobile a big hand? Come on, let's give Mobile campus. We've got Foley campus with us this morning. Let's give Foley a big hand. And of course, Bayman Nat campus. Come on, everybody. Let's give Bayman Nat a big hand. And of course, all the guys at Holman Correctional Facility. Let's give them one big, huge round of applause. Welcome to church today and I'm excited that I get to kind of wrap this series up today is part four of the key to everything Um, I hope that this series has been extremely impactful um, And I'm hoping that today that I can put a nice little bow on it and um, and we'll wrap it up real good but first Um, Let me just reiterate that video that you saw just a moment ago. One last little thing. Uh, This is the last week before Global Leadership Summit. And all of those guys are from our church that were impacted last year just being a part of the Global Leadership Summit. So if you're in leadership, if you're in business, you're an entrepreneur, anything, man, you need to be here this Thursday and Friday Two full days of world class leadership content. Um, so you can you can get on the website. You can still get your tickets. It's not too late. So be sure to do that. And then one one other thing, real quick, that I wanted to plug. Um, of course, next weekend is our back to school bash, where Pastor every year we pray over uh, students and teachers before they go back to school. But the weekend after that, August twenty first, we're going to be kicking off a brand new series that I am ex- I am super excited about. Um, it's called You Asked for It. Um, And it's exactly that. Back at Easter, if you remember, we asked you to kind of write out, hey, what are some topics that you'd love for us to talk about? And so over four weeks, we're going to take the top four things that you wrote on a card, and you said, this is what I most desperately need information on, or I need inspiration on, I need help on. Um, And so we're going to tackle those uh, those things in that series beginning August 21st. And we're going to kick that series off with our good friend, Pastor Dino Rizzo. Um, if you've been around, you've seen Pastor Dino here before. He is an incredible communicator. So on the 21st, you don't want to miss it. Um, it's going to be an awesome, awesome weekend as we kick off that series. All right, so uh, let's get to the key to everything. You know, we've we've kind of started this series off every single week with this question: Is there a key to everything? I mean, that's been kind of this foundational thought, this foundational question. Obviously, if the series is titled The Key to Everything, we believe that there is a key to everything. And we've identified and we've established that the key to everything is a four-letter nasty word, give. Right? It's a four-letter word that we're scared to death of, give. Right? The problem with this is that typically in our mind, we immediately associate that word with finances and money and as we have talked about throughout this this series that that's not necessarily the case it's not always money there's a lot of things that we can give it's actually about living a lifestyle of giving it's about living is giving and giving is living it's just intertwined it's all in the same thing it's um, and, you know in week one we talked about giving out in week one, we talked about giving out. We talked about being salt in a world that has no flavor. We talked about being light in a dark place. We talked about um, loving our neighbors, loving our community. We talked about getting outside of ourselves, our own wants, and our own desires, and loving people. That was. I'll, I'll just say that, that, that if the key had teeth, and you know, keys have teeth. Did you know that? That's what those little things are called, right? We've talked about that for four weeks now. We should be on the same page, okay? <laughs> Then the fourth tooth, I would say, is giving out. The third tooth was what we talked about on week number two, um, and that was give in. We talked about the importance of forgiveness, both forgiving those that have wronged us, those that have hurt us. You know, this was the week that we had that, that powerful conversation about racism and hate and all the things that are happening in our world. Then we, we talked about how do we forgive ourselves? How do we forgive those that have wronged us, that have done something against us? You know, how do, we, how do we forgive? And then last week, we actually finally got around to talking about money and what we called give to. We talked about the importance of tithing. We talked about how big of a deal it is to God, to our Christian walk whenever we tithe, whenever we give 10% back to God. Okay, we're not bringing him 10% of our money that's not what we said, right? We said we're bringing him actually his money. We're bringing it back to him. That's the tithe. And one of the, one of the verses that we read last week, I want to I kind of read it again because I just, man, every time I, I read this verse, it just kind of hits me. And uh, last week, it jumped out at me again. But this is Math, uh, Malachi 3, verse 8 through 10. It says this, will a man rob God? Yet you have robbed me. But you say, how have we robbed you? And he says, in tithe and offerings. You are cursed with a curse, your whole nation, for you are robbing me. Bring all the tithe into the storehouse, that there may be food in my house. And test me now in this, says the Lord of hosts, if I will not, listen to this, open up for you the windows of heaven and pour out for you a blessing, that there will not be room enough to receive it. You know, this verse, the, the, the how have we robbed God, thing is one of those things that's just always kind of baffled me right how have we ro- how can we possibly rob from god is he that desperate for cash that he's looking down on us who make you know a little bit of money every year and he's thinking that we are robbing him the greatest god the deity the the ruler and king of everything how could we have possibly uh, robbed from him but this is what god's saying I mean, whenever you look at the entire passage you look at this whole text you see this truth, that the crime in this is not that we've taken money away from him. The crime in this is this right here, that we have robbed him of his opportunity to bless you. We, he, has been robbed of his opportunity to bless you. You have literally taken away that opportunity, as Malachi said, to open the windows of heaven on your life. Now, let me, let me just real quick define that. The windows of heaven. It's not Scrooge McDuck's vault that we can tap into and the gold coins fall and we go, woo, show me the money. Okay? That's not what I'm talking about. Okay? If you think the windows of heaven are gold coins or money, then your mindset of God is really small. Because the windows of heaven are the blessings of God. It's literally what the Bible says is heaven on earth. It's whenever we get a taste, a glimpse, a piece of heaven on earth. You know, we're all excited about heaven. Most of us, right? We're excited about that. What if we could actually live with a little bit of heaven now? And we could experience that and heaven could be opened up. See, whenever the windows of heaven are opened over my life, there's peace and there's confidence in every day. What I do, where I go, the decisions I make, I'm walking in confidence to know that heaven is open to me. When the windows of heaven are open over my mind, there's just this peace, there's this confidence. No matter what's happening in our world, there's this confidence and there's this peace to know that, man, heaven has this whole thing figured out. And I'm getting a little bit of that confidence. When the windows of heaven are open over my body, there's health and there's contentment. When the windows of heaven are open over my family, There's there's prosperity, there's blessings, there's fruitfulness. There's not riches and we're rolling in it. No, there's just this help, there's just this prosperity that God brings, that opening the windows of heaven brings. And this is what we talked about last week. So we've talked about for three weeks this idea of giving. We talked about last week how the tithe, man, whenever we bring that tithe, we're, we're, we're literally untying God's hands. We're untying God's hands so that he can give to you, what he wants to give to you, what he has for you, what he set aside for you, what he, what he earmarked and he put over here and he said, here's John's stuff. I got it right here and I'm waiting on him to fall in love with me, to follow my covenant, to obey me, to, to be everything that I need him to be and then it's his. Here's the thing about God. Here's the thing really about the key to everything. It, God already has it, God is the key to everything because God is not a taker. God is a giver, and he has given us everything. You know, the culture we live in, a lot of times we think that God is a taker. We think that, that we're supposed to just give him our money. We're, supposed to, we're just supposed to give him everything because he is a taker. But God is a giver. He's the ultimate giver. And listen, this, the, the key to everything is him. It's woven through his very being to the point that when he created this world, when he created this existence, the giving nature of God Almighty was woven into everything that he put his hand on. The very fabric of our existence is giving. Think about it, everything. Even the way that we were created because we were created in his image, the word says that God gave us his breath. He literally created us in his image and his image is a giver. It's giving. He's literally given us everything. Every single thing that you have, it's because God Almighty gave it to you. Every single thing that we see on this earth is because God gave it to us. Before God gave us the greatest gift mankind would ever know, he gave us this earth. He gave us all of these things that we could enjoy, this beautiful, beautiful earth. He gave us his breath. He gave us everything that we know because he loves us. So here's the thing. This giving nature is a part of us. And whenever we go against it, we're actually going against the grain. Whenever we live life as a taker, not a giver, we're going against the grain in the way that we were originally created. We're we're running in opposition. Listen, it's like the law of gravity. Okay, this is a law, right? We all know gravity works. I could jump, I'm going to fall. I could fall off this stage, and guess what? I'm going to hit the ground. Why? Because gravity is real, okay? But I can defy gravity if I want to. I could jump off of a building, and the consequences would be bruises and broken bones and a busted up face and I don't know what else, you know, whoever, right? It's the same thing with giving, man. Whenever we defy this and we become a taker, we live life as a taker, guess what? We suffer bruises And broken bones and crippled lives, and we're hopeless and we're desperate and we're looking for purpose in a world because we've lived life as takers, not givers. We just reverse this whole thing around and we think that this is the way we're supposed to live, but it's not. We're meant to live as a giver. This is our very nature. Hey, I don't know if you've ever witnessed this or seen this before, but you can YouTube it because that's where I saw it. I don't, I'm not much for nature. But, um, but if you've ever seen a mama bird push a baby bird out of a nest, have you ever seen that anywhere? It's a very odd thing. You know, you can YouTube it. You can see it. It's a very, very odd thing. Whenever a mama bird just at some random time just knows, okay, it's time, pal. <laughs> go, slugger, Go. I mean, there's just, just this moment, but here's the thing. The baby bird has no idea what its wings are for. And so it hangs on with its little bitty talons, its little bitty claws, and it hangs on to this little branch or this little nest, and mama goes, I don't care. And mama just keeps pushing, keeps pushing, keeps pushing. Why? Because mama bird knows that that bird has legs, and it can walk. Some of them can hop. They can hang on to things. But its core characteristic is to fly. Right? I mean, that's what makes a bird so amazing is that that thing can fly. And the mama knows that as long as that baby bird sits right there relying on just these little bitty hands, these little bitty claws, these little bitty talons, then it's not going to fully embrace what it was meant to do, its core characteristic. And so mama pushes. Why? Because the bird was meant to fly. This is us. We've lived our life, we're hanging on to a bank account, we're hanging on to to hope that we're going to get rich and we're going to make it and we're going to be able to pay for college and we're going to be able to do this stuff and we, we hang on for dear life and the whole time God's saying, hey buddy, you got this thing all wrong, let go, let go, spread your wings, man, let the grace of God, let the gift that you have inside you come to life. Because it's in you. We're made to be givers. We're made to love the world around us. We're made to forgive our neighbor as we were forgiven. We were made to give back to God our finances. We were made for this thing. My son right now, he's about nine months old. Same thing with a a kid. I I cannot teach him how to walk. Have you ever tried to teach a nine-month-old how to walk? Hey, son, take one step. Hey, son, take another step. I can't teach him how to walk. What happens? He just walks. Why? Because it's what we do. It's just in our very nature. At some point, I mean, he's already standing up. He's a little bit wobbly. But I guarantee you in a few days, he's going to go boom. i would be like, come on, son. You got this, son. Let's run a lap, son. Right? Because why? It's in him. It's part of us. We're made to do that. It's the same thing we're giving, man. We're made to live this lifestyle. This is why it is the key to everything. And what's so amazing is that you already have the key to everything. It's already in you. You already have it. We're talking about this thing. You're not gonna, you're not needing to run out to the divine locksmith to get it. The divine locksmith already put it inside you. The problem is, is it's bent. It's bent because the fall of man, Adam and Eve, decided they were tricked, they were lied to, they decided that they were meant to be takers, not givers. When Adam and Eve decided to go against God and to go against what he said, they became takers and immediately they were cursed. Everything changed, right? Our life today changed. The key to everything is bent inside of us because of the fall of man. So here's the thing. We've got to straighten it back out. Because it's there. It's inside us, but we've got to find a way, man. How do we unbend the key to everything? How do we we straighten out the key to everything? And I'm going to tell you right now how we do it. The only weight that is heavy enough to unbend the key to everything is the weight of his glory. The weight of his presence. It is the only thing. It is the only thing inside us, whenever we get inside, whenever we get under the weight of his glory, when we truly worship him, it impacts us, it reshapes us, and alters our character and conduct. It literally changes everything about us when we truly worship him. The only way to experience the weight of his glory is in worship, is in in literally getting in the presence of God, because in the presence of God is where life change happens. Let me say that again. In the presence of God is where life change happens. The presence of God is where your life changes. It's where you begin to live differently. You can make a decision, but ultimately when you're in the presence of God is when life change happens. The weight of his glory will leave a mark on our lives, an impression of his presence that is undeniable even in a world gone mad. The weight of his glory, the weight of his presence, the, the way that it molds us and it shapes us back to the way that we were originally created to be shaped. It's the weight of his glory that does it. When we truly, and this is why worship is the fourth key, I mean the fourth tooth on the key. But I'm going to say that it's the first tooth on the key. It's the very first one. It's the catalyst the catalyst. Tooth That creates a chain reaction for all the other teeth to actually happen happen because worship is what activates your life in a way that these other things begin to fall into place when you worship God and you're in the presence of God tithing all of a sudden becomes a little easier loving your neighbor becomes a little bit easier forgiving someone else the way you've been forgiven becomes a little bit easier why because you've been in the presence of God and you've been shaped by his presence you've been shaped by his glory that is how we unbend the key to everything and it becomes active in our life and it becomes this thing this chain reaction begins to take place and everything in our life begins to change i had a friend a couple years ago or many years ago he loves classic cars vintage cars he Loved to soup them up rev them up all this crazy stuff i know nothing about them but i love to look at them and i'd love to drive them but i don't want to know how it works just make it fast But he was all into this thing. He had it all figured out and knew what to do. Um, And I thought, man, what if one day I had walked into his garage and seen this pristine, you know, 1970 whatever Corvette or 19 whatever, you know, Mustang or whatever. And it's all souped up and all this amazing thing. And he's sitting in the front seat and he's going, man, I can't get the air conditioner to work. I want the air conditioner to work. This is frustrating. Man, I've spent $100,000 on this car and I can't get the air conditioner to work. And then he goes and he pops the hood and there is no engine. Now, I don't know much about cars, but I know that's a problem. (laughs) Because without that, the AC's not going to work, the wheels aren't going to turn, the radio's not even going to come on, you're going to get nothing else. It's pretty, it's something good to look at, but until the engine is there, everything else is just not going to operate the way it was meant to operate. Are you still going to go to heaven? Absolutely. But until you worship, everything else just changes it becomes better it's like it's this chain reaction that leads to everything else in your life that yeah you could look pretty because you show up to church every week maybe you read the bible maybe you do it just enough to get by but man if you're not experiencing the presence of god you're not experiencing that change the weight of his glory that just impacts every single part of your life then you're not fully experiencing what god has for you it's just like that car man i could sit it in a garage all day long and look at it but until it's got an engine it's not a whole lot of fun I'm not really going to be able to do everything that car can do until I put the engine in it, until I fully embrace everything it's made to do. In John 4, Jesus says this. He says that the time is coming, indeed it's here now, when true worshipers will worship the Father in spirit and in truth. The Father is looking for those who will worship him this way, in spirit and in truth. He's saying, I don't, want, I don't want worshipers that are just going to worship me with their heart. I want people that are going to worship me with their mind, with their intellect, with the truth of their life. I want their heart and their mind, their heart and their truth. I want everything connected and them passionately pursuing me. This is the very first tooth on the key that creates a chain reaction that everything else begins to happen. I love that the, that the heart, the spirit comes before the truth. Right? There's, this, there's this thing that you just see the, the heart is, is running and it's going after God and it's worshiping God. And then the mind, the intellect is engaged right behind it. And there's this passionate pursuing of everything that God wants for you. I've got three points. And I want to tell you what the worship looks like that God wants. What is it that he's looking for? What type of worship? I mean, what does this mean? How do I I worship God with everything? How in the world do I do this? And how's it broken? What's wrong now? Well, the worship that God wants, number one, is worship that treasures. Worship that treasures. Listen, God wants you to want him. Do you want your wife to want you? Do you want your husband to want you? God just wants to be wanted. He wants you in his presence because you want to be in his presence. Listen, it doesn't matter if it's because of a frantic need. It doesn't matter if it's out of desperation. It doesn't matter if it's just pure love and affection. He just wants to be wanted. He just wants to be needed. He just wants you to passionately pursue him with everything that you are. Jeremiah 29, 13 says this, You will seek me and find me when you seek me with all your heart. And when you seek him, when you go after him, he's there. His presence is right there. Whenever you treasure him and you want him and you desire him, does not matter the reason for the pursuit. I think it's funny right now, this Pokemon Go craze, right? This thing that's just sweeping the world. I heard last week that there's already a guy that's caught every single one of them. He's literally traveled the world to catch all of Pokemon. What in the world? But I just wish that the church would pursue God like everyone in the world right now is pursuing Pokemon. Amen. Right? I mean, what if we just did that? I mean, what, if, what would it look like is if the church took on that type of pursuit? Not Pikachu, but God. Right? And we focus our attention and our heart and we literally are pursuing him with everything that we got. We want him in our, in, in our life, a part of our life. And then so many of us have been around for so long that worship has just become something that we do. It's a ritual. It's, it's something that's gotten very stale and there is no passion. And God's saying, hey, listen, when you come into my presence, bring your heart, bring your passion, bring your excitement, bring your love for me. Don't just walk into this place and you hear a song and you automatically go, and it's just habit, it's just ritual, and you've got your little dance move during worship, whatever it is, right, you're, you're doing your little thing, and that's all you've got, but there's no heart in it, there's nothing behind it, you're completely disconnected from it. God say, man, I want all of you. You know, I love that the Olympics just started, I absolutely love that, and I love, you know, Friday night watching the opening ceremony, all these incredible athletes coming into this stadium, and I just thought, man, the hours and the hours and the hours of preparation, and practice, and passion that it took for them to get on that stage, for them to to literally represent their country on a world stage. What an important and powerful thing for an athlete to be able to do. And I thought, man, can you imagine the day they woke up and they said, you know what, it's just not worth it anymore. You know what, I just don't want to do this anymore. It's just not worth it, right? No, if that had happened, they wouldn't have been there. They would have never made it. That's the kind of passion and drive that, man. we don't allow drift to take place. We don't allow the alignment in our car to be out of whack to where we just slowly drift off. And then all of a sudden, we're just this normal thing. We do worship the way we do worship, and then it goes away. No, we are continually passionate about worship. Now, listen to this. Here's a really, really, really big thing that I want you to hear is that worship is not a feeling. It's a choice worship is not a feeling it's a choice it's something that when i walk into this place i decide to do i decide to step into the presence of god i decide to worship god with my whole heart in the mornings when i get up when i'm driving in my car when i'm when i'm out and doing life whenever i want to worship god i'm making a decision i'm not waiting on some feeling i'm not waiting on the music and the lights and everything to be just right to get a little ghost get, get a little goose bump and a little bit of this and a little bit of that and woo! now i can worship yeah lord hallelujah now i'm not waiting on a feeling I'm deciding now is the time I'm going to walk into the presence of God and worship him. Because worship is a response to what we value most. And I value my God most. And if that's the case, then I'm going to decide to passionately pursue him with my whole heart. Number one is worship. God wants worship that treasures his presence. The second thing is this, is that God wants worship that humbles. God wants worship that humbles. God wants worship that isn't puffed up or prideful. He wants worship that's true. He wants worship. He wants people to come to him openly and honestly. He wants people to give him his his their everything. And sometimes we exchange true worship with our pride. Sometimes we exchange true worship with our pride. Because we're so worried about what other people are going to think. We're so worried about who's watching us. We're so worried about, about making a spectacle and, and showing off or showing something that, you know, whatever it is. We're just so worried about it. And God saying, no, no, listen, I want you to be you. I want you. I want your heart. No one's watching you. I want you right now. God's the only one watching you. And the starting point to confronting pride is in how we approach worship. I love what Jesus said in Matthew 18. He said, truly, I tell you, unless you change And become like little children, you will never enter the kingdom of God. Until you have a childlike passion in your pursuit of God, you'll never experience heaven. Until you, like a child, pursue God's presence, you'll never experience heaven, either on this earth or in the afterlife. Those are strong words. Because have you ever seen a child worship? A child's not worried about everybody else. A child's having a blast, man. Every limb they got, their eyes, their mouth. I mean, they're singing, they're shouting, they're dancing. They could care less who's watching. Why? Because they love God. They do what they're told. They're just, they're in it, man. God says love him and worship him. I'm going to worship him, man. I'm going to give him my everything. I'm going to sing and shout and dance and do my thing. They don't care. They're not looking around going, well, somebody's watching. I don't know what's. No. Why? Because there's just a childlike passion and faith that they enter into. The second thing about a child is a child's not confused on who their source is, right? A child knows they're not the source of anything. A child knows a parent's going to give me whatever I need. They're going to take me places. They're going to feed me. They're going to do everything. Well, a child knows that. But whenever we become adult, all of a sudden we think we're the source. And we, this thing changes in our mind. Instead, worship and, and humility is, a, is acknowledging that God is the source. It's acknowledging, man. It's stripping all away and going. I'm not the source. In the presence of God, we acknowledge that God, you are the source of all life. You're the source of everything. And it's interesting because whenever we separate ourselves from the presence of God, all of a sudden we start thinking we're the source. All of a sudden we start thinking that we're going to solve the world's problems. All of a sudden we start thinking that we're going to fix this. We're going to fix that. No, no, no. God is the source. And until we lock into him, we lock into his presence, we'll never understand that. We'll never get all that he's trying to give us. When we worship in humility, we're acknowledging that God is the source. The third one is this the worship that God wants is worship that sacrifices. It's worship that sacrifices. You know, in the Bible, God never asked for you to bring the most perfect, amazing sacrifice of your praise and your worship. He never does. He doesn't ask for brilliant. He doesn't ask for your, your voice to be perfect. He doesn't ask for your clothes to be perfect. He doesn't ask for anything. As a matter of fact, in Psalm 51, listen to this. It says, the sacrifice that you desire is a broken spirit. You will not reject a broken and repentant heart, oh God. Listen, he's looking for the real you, the you right now, the busted up, the broken, the not quite right. He wants you right now where you are. He wants you, all of you. He wants everything. He wants every single bit of you. And when we're in his presence, change begins to happen. He doesn't want you to get it all together and then come into his presence. He wants you to come into his presence and let him help you get it all together. That's the way it works. Worship is this catalyst that just propels through every part of our life, and then change just begins to happen. When we passionately worship God, Man, things just begin to connect. Have you ever noticed that before? Those of you that really have, have experienced this before, that when you passionately pursue God, all of a sudden you want to read his word. All of a sudden your relationships with your spouse get a little bit better, and your kids get a little bit better, and your coworkers get a little bit better, your enemies, you know, all these relationships start getting better. Guess what? Everybody else hadn't changed. You've changed. All of a sudden, you begin to live the way God originally meant for you to live. You, your mind begins to change. Your heart begins to change. And everything just begins to work more naturally. It's that car analogy. You know, you get the engine in, and all of a sudden, the thing runs. And the air conditioner works, and I can turn the radio up. Right? It's like when I get that thing in it, man, all of a sudden, life begins to unfold. Life begins to unravel exactly the way God wanted it to unravel. Listen, he never asked you for a perfect sacrifice. He only asked you for everything. And if you've given him everything, look at this. When you give everything, it doesn't make any difference how much it is. It's everything. I mean, how many of us count how much we give God? We keep track of it. I've given up with this. I've given up for that. I give this. I give that. And God's saying, if you can keep count of what you've given, you haven't given enough. If you could actually keep track of all that you've sacrificed for God, all that you've put out there, then you haven't given enough. But God wants everything. He wants all of you, just as you are right now. Not to go get perfect and get get it all put together. No, right as you are right now, he wants you. He wants everything. All that you are and all that you have in his presence. Because that's where change happens. That's where life changes. Happens in his presence. Have you ever at like Christmas or maybe, maybe even a birthday gotten kind of the gift to end all gifts? Right? I mean, have you ever experienced that? Like I remember a few years ago at Christmas... I had an aunt that just put a little extra time and thought into, uh, into the gift that she was going to give us. She, I mean, it really, really it like fit us, and she kind of knew what we were into and all this kind of stuff. And it was like, man, this gift literally is casting a shadow on every other gift. Like, every other gift will, will have to live up to this. It's like just this incredible gift that it's not expensive. It's, not this what, it's just this thing that you go, man, this gets me. This just makes sense. And I thought about this week that, you know, the gift that God gave is not the gift that ends all gifts. It was the beginning of all gifts. It was the beginning of all gifts. Because God is our ultimate giver, and he gave us everything. He literally gave us everything. And I want to kind of wrap this series right here, and I want us to read something together. And honestly, we're going we're to kind of end at probably the most obvious place in the world. But I want us to read this passage together. and We all know it, but read it with me. It's John three sixteen. All right, Mobile, Foley, Baminette, Holman, I need you guys to help out. Let's all read this together. Here we go. For God so loved the world that he gave his one and only son, that whoever believes in him shall not perish but have eternal life. Let's read one more. This is Romans 8. Everybody together again. Come on, guys. He who did not spare his own son, but gave him up for us all, how will he not also, along with him, graciously give us all things? God is the ultimate giver, and he's given us everything. He's given us Jesus Christ, he's given us the ultimate gift that leads to every other gift. This is the place right here that everything was given that everything was finished and that everything started new was at the cross of jesus christ it's because of the cross that that we can do what we do today it's because of the cross that we can have the relationship we have with god it's because of this gift that we can experience life to the full it's because of the the fact that it's finished that it's been paid in full that we can freely come before god and it's because of this man that our life has been started new that Not only do we have a new birth and new life here on this earth, but we have the hope of eternity with Jesus, with God in heaven, worshiping him with all of our hearts and all of our lives. It's because of this. It's because of the key to everything. It's because God literally gave us everything. And he's not asking for much back. He wants your everything. He wants you to just come before him and say, God, I'm busted up, I'm broke, I'm hurting, I'm sick, I'm frustrated, I'm in a divorce, I'm mad at my kids, I'm, I'm, whatever it is. He's saying because of everything Jesus Christ did, because of the ultimate giver, he's saying you, as you are right now, come to me. Come into the presence of God and be changed. And the amazing thing is, is it's not this hour on Sundays, Worship is not contained to this place. Worship is not contained to, to, a, to a service, or it's not even contained to worship, I mean, to music. It's not contained to that. Worship is a lifestyle, it's a heart. The Bible, Jesus says to love God and love people. Man, this is worship. Whenever we are in the presence of God, and we're saying, God, come, heaven, come, be a part of my life right now. This is worship. And man, whenever we do this, All of our life begins to change. If you were to kind of zoom out, you know, we've talked about the key, we've talked about the four teeth. If we were to kind of zoom out of that key just a little bit, we would realize that the shape of the key to everything is the cross. It is literally the key to everything. It's the key to everything in our life, every hurt, every pain, to the things that we need, the things that we hope for. It's the key to everything. I mean, God says when you worship him, you stay close to that. You stay close to his heart, and then all of a sudden, loving your neighbor becomes very easy. Loving the world around you becomes very easy, very simple, very natural, because it's already in you. You begin to fall in line with him, and all of a sudden, forgiving those that you do life with, forgiving those that maybe you've abandoned, maybe you've run away from, maybe you've gotten rid of and you've written them off and you've said i'll never talk to that person again it's because of your vicinity to god when you're close in the presence of god that you can forgive that person why because the key to everything you were forgiven it's why in that place you're not afraid to give (laughs) But when you're in the presence of god giving financially isn't a big deal why because you know the source you know where it all comes from, and you know, man, this is just a way that I worship God. This is just a way that I obey God, that I fall in line, that I just say, God, I want to I be in line with you. I want your heart. I want your passion. And when we're in the presence of God, it all just comes together and happens. It clicks. Life begins to change. Life begins to unfold differently whenever we understand the key to everything. I believe with all of my heart that there are people here today that haven't experienced the key to everything, they haven't experienced the great giver, Jesus Christ, that gave us his all. There are some of you here today that have been just going through the motions for years, or some of you here today that haven't been in a church in years and years and years and years, and you say, man, what in the world did I walk into? And maybe God's right inside your heart right now, and he's stirring, and he's challenging you, and he's changing you. I believe that you today are in the presence of God, and he's saying, hey, this is where change happens. This is where life change happens is in the presence of God. And right now, today, I want to challenge you to make a change. I want to challenge you to live life passionately pursuing God in worship, giving him your all in worship. If you will bow your head and close your eyes for just a second. I know there are people here that need to make a decision to follow Christ today, that need to make a decision to give him, uh, give him your life, your all, your everything. Like I said, whether it's, you haven't, you haven't been in a church in years, maybe you're just stale and you've been sitting here like a bump on a log for years, or maybe, I man, you've walked in and you don't know anything. You know nothing, but you know that life needs to be different and this sounds right. There's something in your heart that's just, just firing off, that's excited, that's passionate, and you just hear this rumbling on the inside. That is God Almighty saying, go, this is it. I want to get a hold of you. I want to challenge you. I want to change you. I want want to get you in my presence so that I can mold you and shape you into who I've created you to be. If that's you, I want to challenge you at every single campus to raise your hand. If you want to meet Jesus Christ today, first time, hundredth time, it does not matter. If you want to meet Jesus Christ today, raise your hand at every campus right now. Thank you. You want to go all in and say, man, I'm giving him my all today. Let's pray this prayer together. If you raised your hand, there were several hands all over this room, I'm sure at the other campuses. I want to challenge you to pray this prayer with me. Pray, Jesus, I repent of everything that I've done. And I ask that you would come into my heart and cover me with your blood, with your forgiveness. Bring me into your life. Thank you for dying for me, for giving me the key to everything, your cross, your love, your mercy, and your grace. That even though I don't deserve it, you give me your favor. You give me your love. Lord, come into my heart and change me from this day forward. I give you my everything. In Jesus' name, amen. Amen. Can we give those guys a big hand right now? Come on, everybody. Every campus.